0: This evening we're going to consider the word of the Lord as we find it in the book of Joshua. Joshua is a book that records the settlement of Canaan. Uh, Shortly after Israel crosses the Jordan River, after spending 40 years in the wilderness, wandering the wilderness, they cross the Jordan and they set up a memorial from these stones that were in the middle of the Jordan. And this memorial is to be a lasting memorial of God's grace to the children of Israel after they have completed the long 40-year journey in the wilderness to the promised land. We're going to be begin reading uh, in chapter 3 at verse 14, and then continue through chapter 4 to the end of the chapter. Joshua, beginning at verse 14 of chapter 3. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who were carrying the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off, So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose twelve men from among the people one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. As the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them over with them To their camp where they put them down, Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel, crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Thus far the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Congregation beloved of our Lord Jesus Christ I guess I am reflecting my age when I say I don't know much about the generation we live in There's a lot of talk nowadays that we live in the woke generation I really don't know what woke means Whether it's an acronym for something but when I read about the woke generation, it makes me a little nervous, because I think there is a certain self-righteousness about it, a certain uh, arrogance, maybe it's the arrogance of youth, I don't know. But it's a sort of arrogance that insists on political correctness, that wants to, wants to to be an enemy ultimately of open discussion and a freer discourse and and we see that uh, they want to destroy the past. They do that by attacking statues downtown Chicago of Columbus and statues in the south of some of these civil war leaders, southern civil war leaders. They want to change the past. And they think they can accomplish this by destroying the mementos or the memorials of the past. Well, it is a absolutely undeniable truth that you can't change yesterday it is what it is and yet uh, they think that by destroying these memorials of the past that somehow they are changing the past well it doesn't happen I remember when I was in the Ukraine in Donetsk and the Center of town, there was a square called Lenin Square. They had a big statue of Lenin in that square. And I remember commenting to our translator, Natasha, I said, What is that statue still there for? And she said, Well, she said that too is part of our history. And yet somehow people think that they can change history. And they want to change the memorials of history. And that sometimes can be a dangerous thing. Because if we don't remember history, we are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. So a good memory is a gift from God. And it's a gift that should be cultivated. Perhaps uh, some of you have little aids or methods to help you with your memory. And these can be very helpful also when you're studying in school. And we use it, for example, in theology. You want to know what the canons of Dort are all about? Well, think of TULIP, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. Irresistible Grace and the Perseverance of the Saints. Now you have a summary there of what the Canons of Dort are all about, one of the Reformed creeds. Or if you want to know something about prayer, you can think of this little acronym, ACTS. What is prayer all about? Well, it's about adoration, come before the God who is our creator, who is our redeemer, who sanctifies us by the work of his spirit, adoration. And when we come before Lord, the Lord in prayer, we ought to think about ourselves before this great God and come before him with humble hearts. And, and so we ought to come before him confessing our sins knowing who we are. And we also should come before God with thanksgiving and pray that he gives us thankful hearts and then we ought to make our pleas and our petitions and our supplications before him. And so when we pray, there is a certain pattern that some people might follow in prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. These are to help us memorize what documents are about or what certain points are about or what prayer is about. But one of the best times of our life to memorize is when we are young. Remember your creator, says the scriptures. Remember your creator, boys and girls. When should you do this? In the days of your youth. Why should we remember our creator in the days of our youth? Well, one reason is that sometimes when we get older, we get forgetful. You can see that, for example, in nursing homes and Places where people are forgetful. They have Alzheimer's or dementia and and struggle with that. And it's difficult. So the time to remember our Creator is in the days of our youth. You know, God gives young people and children wonderful minds. Minds that that develop at an extraordinary rate. Minds that soak up things like language for example. I once heard a statistic that you will know 75 percent of the words that you use for the rest of your life by the time you are five years old. That stage of our development when we are learning language And the mind absorbs it so readily in young children. When I was a caseworker I very often had a number of Hispanic families and and I would use the children as translators. Second, third grade children tell your mother this or ask your mother that and immediately they would translate into Spanish and and asked their mother uh, the question that I was conveying without any problem. Switching from Spanish to English quite comfortably. Very young children. But as I said, memory can fade. Memory can fade individually, but we see that memory can fade corporately. It can fade in organizations, it can fade in churches, and it can fade in nations. You know, when a church loses its focus, when a church loses its memory, its collective memory of what it is about, and gets involved in all kinds of other things, in all kinds of social issues, when a church thinks that it can comment on every issue that comes down the road on climate change, on, on immigration reform, on, on the death penalty, on, on prison reform, and thinks that it can comment on every social issue that comes down the pike, and forgets about the fact that the church has been charged with a peculiar and singularly tasked, singular task of proclaiming the gospel, gospel of salvation by grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. If we forget about that as a church, we've lost our reason for existence. And that can happen with companies, with corporations. Uh, have companies that are very well known in a certain market. A few years ago I read about an airline and, and they decided to get into the hotel industry. And so they bought hotels. And they ha- it was a da- disaster for, from them, for them. And so they got a new CEO. And, and he said, we're in the airline industry. We move people. We don't know how to, how to take care of hotels. We got ri-. And so they got rid of their hotel chains. They lost their vision as a corporation. And so it is, too, with countries. What are we about as a nation? And if we have not defined ourselves or are true to a heritage that has been defined for us, we will lose direction. And that happens in nations. We see nations rising, nations falling, and that happens in the history of the world. The Roman Empire, the Habsburg Empire, the various empires that once ruled huge areas of the world forgot what they were about and ended up collapsing. And certainly that was a danger also for the nation of Israel. The nation that God had delivered from the land of Egypt, that that he had led through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire at night, that he had cared for by sending manna to them in the midst of the desert so that they had food to eat, That he had watched over for 40 years of their wandering in the desert before they came to the promised land, before they would enter the promised land. That he had called out of bondage, out of the land of bondage, that he had kept covenant with them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He told them before he gave them the law, I want you to know who I am and what I have done for you. I am the God, Israel, who has set you free. And I want you to remember that. And so now after 40 years of wandering, the nation of Israel has come to the banks of the Jordan. And it is at flood stage. It's not a simple little creek, uh, narrow kind of shallow river, but it is at flood stage, the harvest season overflowing its banks. And they are at the banks of the Jordan. And God says to the nation of Israel, it's time to cross. And so the priests are instructed to take up the Ark of the Covenant. And they are instructed to march to the Jordan at flood stage. And they are obedient. And they march one step at a time toward the river. And it's still at flood stage. And then the Bible tells us when their feet hit the water, the water stopped. The water stopped so that the nation of Israel could cross over on dry ground and Reuben and Ephraim and Gad the nation the tribes that had elected not to cross over to Jordan but who had made an agreement with Moses that they would help conquer the promised land they went ahead with 40,000 soldiers armed men to help with the process of taking over the promised land of claiming the promised land for the people of God And so we see that when we look at this passage across the Jordan, God wants the people of Israel to remember it. God wants the people of Israel to remember it because this is the culmination of his deliverance. When they crossed over Jordan, God was true to his promise. They had reached the promised land. And indeed, this imagery of crossing over Jordan is an imagery that is used when people die. They've crossed over Jordan. They've gone to the promised land. God has delivered them in their life's journey to the, to the promised land that is promised to those who are in Christ and so he says to Joshua I don't want the people to forget this and so as the priests stand in the middle of the Jordan on dry ground while the people cross over when the crossing is complete Joshua sends 12 men back to the to the middle of the river on dry ground yet, to gather up some stones from the middle of the river, 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel, to gather up these stones and to make a memorial. And this memorial served a number of purposes. First of all, it was for Israel's children. To develop a covenantal, covenantal history and heritage, a covenantal sense of their history and heritage. And we see that God always remembers the children, even in the Passover. When the, even today, when the Jews celebrate Passover, part of the Passover cedar, the meal, is a question that the children pose. What does this all mean? And then it is an opportunity for their parents to tell them about the deliverance from Egypt. When the angel of death passed over the people of Israel and struck the Egyptians. So it was for Israel's children to develop a covenantal sense, Secondly, it was a testimony to God's grace. It was a testimony to God's grace. And thirdly, it was a memorial for the people of the world. And finally, this pile of stones was a memorial and a call the continued obedience. First then, this memorial was a testimony for the children of Israel, for generations yet to come, for generations yet unborn, so that the generation that had crossed the Jordan would remember it. But what about their children? What about their children's children? What about their great-grandchildren? Would they remember it? And so to jog their memories, God instructs Joshua to set up 12 stones So that future generations would come and they would look at that that pile of stones, when they would look at that memorial, when they would look at that monument, and they would say, what are these stones all about? And their parents or their grandparents could say to them, well, those stones were taken from where the priest stood in the middle of the Jordan, When God dried up the river so that we could cross now into the promised land. So you could have a home here. So we could have a place to live here. So that we wouldn't be slaves like we were in the land of Egypt. And so when the river dried up, Twelve men went down, one from each tribe and gathered up a stone and made this memorial, carried it to the place where the memorial was was set up so that the children of Israel could remember the mighty acts of God. You see... It's important that we remember what God has done. Sometimes, you know, we look at our universities and some of our schools and we think there are questions that children are not taught, are not addressed. Who am I? Where did I come from? What does this all mean? Where am I going? And these questions cannot be answered apart from faith. They cannot be answered apart from God's word. And so the children of Israel had this memorial so that they could look at it and that they could remember who they were and what God had done and they could remember their covenant heritage. Secondly, this was a memorial of God's gracious dealings with Israel, with the people of God. It was a memorial of God's grace. We don't see, for example, a armada of boats on the Jordan that could carry the people across. We don't see a bridge that they built to get across the river. We don't see that the people of Israel could say, yes, we did this when we crossed the river. We built this bridge or we took all these boats or these barges across the river or we set up a dam on the river so that we could get across. The people of Israel could not say that. It was wholly and completely God's work. So that this, tes- this, this memorial was a testimony not to the courage of their ancestors, not to their ingenuity. It wasn't a testimony to what we had done in crossing the river. Because really the people hadn't done anything. But it was a testimony to the grace of God who had done everything. Everything. You see, memorials are always transparent. We have to see beyond them. They point to something. They are signposts. And in the the Christian life, we have certain signposts that God places before us. Signposts that point to his grace that has been shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ preaching of the word is a signpost that points to Christ the sacraments are signposts that point to Christ that point to God's gracious work in our Lord Jesus Christ not the work that we've done in our salvation but the work that God has done he is the author and the finisher Of our faith. He is the one who completes the work that He has begun in our lives. And so, by His grace, He gives us, as we live our lives, signposts. Thirdly, it was a memorial for the world so that all of the peoples of the earth that would come by that pile of stones would know that the Lord is a mighty God. You know, when Israel was delivered from the land of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh were following them and, and uh, then they, the sea parted before them and they were able to cross the Red Sea on dry ground, and then the Lord closed the sea and drowned the armies of Pharaoh. Well, that news spread everywhere in the Mideast. We see it recorded for us when the spies spied out Jericho and they stayed at the house of Rahab. And Rahab uh, noted this, that they had heard about Israel Crossing the Red Sea, and now they've crossed the Jordan, and, and Rahab says, "You know, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any man because of you. She says to the spies, to the spies, "For the Lord, your God, He is He who is God in heaven above and on earth beneath." There was an understanding among the nations at that time that God was the God of the people of Israel. So it was a testimony to the world. But there is a fourth thing that we see in this, that this testimony is a call to the world to look to God, a witness to the world, to look to the God of Israel, the one true God. But it is a testimony also to the people of Israel. It is a call to continued obedience so that Israel would fear the Lord their God forever. You see, this ought to be the end of all of the memorials that we may confront in the Christian life. The memorials that remind us of what God has done. Memorials that are testimonies, public testimonies in in the preaching of the word and in reading the scriptures and in prayer. But sometimes... Sometimes these memorials are little things that we might overlook or that just simply speak to us. I remember my grandfather, when he was quite old, he said, you know, when my gran- when my- your grandmother and I were first married, he said, we had nothing. We had a bed, two chairs, and we used an orange crate for a table. He said, but you know, over the years, the Lord brought us through and supplied our needs, and he took care of us. But he said, every time I see an orange crate, I am reminded of God's blessing." that was his memorial i reminded of the fact that god took care of us and so for israel that pile of stones probably wasn't that high probably wasn't that big certainly was not as impressive as a building like the temple or or some other memorial but nonetheless that pile of stones was important was an important teaching tool for the people of God so that they would remember that God had delivered them. You know, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters has this book that is a series of letters written by the devil, supposedly, or Screwtape, an emissary of the devil, and he kind of sets things upside down. And, and he, he's got an interesting little phrase in there. An interesting little phrase that says, Screwtape is giving advice to someone that's going to carry on his work, and Screwtape says to him, Watch out. Watch out for the kind of person when all seems to be lost, when it appears that God has abandoned them, nonetheless, continue to obey. When it seems like God has abandoned them, they've lost everything, and yet they continue to obey. That was the memorial that Israel had when they had crossed the river. Because that memorial ultimately points to God's grace and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about what Christ has done for us, the only proper response is Calvin's motto, My heart I offer to thee, Lord, promptly and sincerely. That is the motto for every Christian. That is the proper response that we must have to the grace that has been shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a profound sense, that also is what this memorial at the Jordan pointed to. Ultimately, it pointed to God's deliverance, deliverance of His people in bringing them from the wilderness of life across the Jordan to the promised land, through the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. O oh Lord, our God, we give thanks for your word. May we ad- apply it day by day to our hearts and to our lives. And may we be reminded by the things that you do for us day by day. May we ever be reminded that you are a God of grace. And that you are a God that has graciously shown yourself to us. And the one who is the word made flesh, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us now. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.